welcome to the Take Care Sis podcast with me, Key, and Kiki. Join two friends for a conversation around self-care in real life. We'll talk about anything on the spectrum from bubble baths to setting boundaries to managing friendships and more. As your sisters, we also just want to provide a weekly check-in. You know, like big sis asking little sis, sis, you good? So come on in, sis. Let's talk about how we can take better care of ourselves. What's up, Kiki? Hey, Ki. How are you? I've been busy. Like, way busier than I have wanted to be. However, we have a long weekend coming up, so excited understood because i'm ready for it ready is an understatement but um yeah and kind of sad a little bit um we were going to talk about it in um the florida culture but tina turner died today mm-hmm. that's all yeah so rest in peace or rest in health to the good sis tina turner um yeah How are you? I'm here. I'm here. One thing I am excited about is going to see the Little Mermaid this weekend. Oh. I go on with my mama. Listen, more than the Little Mermaid, I'm excited about um I've seen the color purple trailers. Mm-hmm. So this is now gonna be the Christmas activity for the family. Mm-hmm. We're gonna see the color purple. Yeah, I wanna see that too. Me too, definitely. Well, yeah, y'all, sorry that we got a guest. We have with us our favorite therapist friend to the show, Dr. Ebony Blue. Hello, hello. Thank you Welcome for having me back. Listen, we we trying to like figure out how to make you a regular spot on this podcast. Yes, <laughs> Dr. Ebony, you're Dr. Phil. <laughs> right, y'all know Dr. Phil got his start like on the Oprah show. So we should, we can just probably bring her in because, you know, we all, I'm not supposed to say this during mental health month, but we all crazy and we can all use some help. Um, I said it, I said it. I wasn't supposed to say it and I shouldn't have said it, but I said it. <laughs> but you, but you, a little crazy in them. but she, you know what she did last week? She laughed at me when I had my song. It was very inappropriate. And that joke that you just said was very inappropriate. So we even. Because I did laugh. (laughs) I don't know if you listened, Dr. Ebony. I sang um, (laughs) crazy. Oh, no. I haven't heard all of the last episode. She at you when you made your scene debut. <laughs> no, friends. She started singing Crazy by Gnarls Barkley. Oh, crazy, crazy. <laughs> top of her lungs, crazy. Good. Oh, it was on top of my lungs. Oh, see, you got to take it up a notch so you can get it out. So it started. <laughs> Yeah, maybe then I won't laugh when you go all out with. Yeah, I ain't got that far yet. Not with that one. I was trying to be very sensitive to the topic that we were talking about. Mm-hmm. 
don't know how sensitive I don't know how sensitive that was, but it was there. Look at you setting us back. <laughs> <laughs> now that you coming up here reading me for filth. Not at all. You know, that's that's our whole point. Everybody has mental health. Not everybody has mental illness. So yeah. you're safe today. I said, I but I did, but I did say that technically he was acknowledging that he might have some mental health struggles. He said, possibly, literally in the song. So that was my, that was my, um, that was the way that I t- turned that around. <laughs> is it open to interpretation? It is. It breathes well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Kiki, can you give us a recap of last? last week well last week we talked about the stigmas that we see in america regarding mental health so we discussed what stigma is and the difference between stigma prejudice and discrimination and we also talked about the different stigmas um as well as the harm stigma can bring about and last, we talked about what stigma looks like across the Black, Asian, and Latinx cultures. So if you haven't listened to that episode, please, please go back and listen. We have some good things in there. I mean, surprisingly, of course, when I did research for it, it was not that much information because ain't nobody telling <laughs> ain't nobody telling their mental health struggles. So that was kind of a struggle for me. So I'm glad we got Dr. Ebony here today to talk about some more things. Yeah, because Dr. Ebony, she, you know, she she always doing her her thing. Um, and she actually posted on stigma with Black women. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we we definitely reposted it in our stories. But Dr. Ebony, if you want to say something real quick about that. Uh, well, just in general with stigmas in the community for women of color, it's just acknowledging that something is wrong and that seeking treatment and support is okay and it's not a reflection that the problem is the person the problem is the problem so just being more vocal about it and not existing in a silo and connecting with each other and fostering community is the the most profound way to break the stigma just get the conversation going and started even if it's awkward is a great place to start I just want to point out how both of y'all got the off the shoulder thing going on. Like, I feel like I should just like. It's summertime. We outside. <laughs> um, we'll yeah. get you next time, friend. We'll give you I'm more. Still, listen, <laughs> listen, I'm still in my, you're going to work out at lunch outfit, but it never happened because I literally worked like. I turned on my computer at nine. It shut down at 10 o'clock to reboot itself. That took about a half an hour. But as soon as it came back on, I've been working ever since. Um, so I didn't make it there. And I definitely didn't have a chance to change into something. Like both of y'all are cute. And I, I got on earrings. To be fair, I did change my shirt. So <laughs> technically, Dr. Ebony is the, the one who started this. I didn't see her before, though. We just kind of telepathically said we're going to wear off the shoulder shirts, I guess. Uh, I need vitamin D. <laughs> let me at least, wait, let me at least do the tattoo one. Hold on. Okay, give us, give us body. There we go. See, I'm missing the tattoo now. Now I feel left out. I'm, I'm ready. Right up Let's, here. Let's, go. Let's finish this podcast.
I work yes. from home, so I have to make sure I put myself together because otherwise I'll be in a bonnet or a headscarf all day long. You do better than me. <laughs> I had my bonnet on looking like Mars Simpson all day, so y'all good to get this. It's beautiful, too. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we move on to all the, for the culture? Yeah, I guess. I'm going to have to move my hand. We're doing good. Um oh. <laughs> Just get you a little pen and put right there. There you go. Don't <laughs> want you let me out. I can't believe I'm responsible for people. People answer me on my I job. Can't do it either. <laughs> oh, we need to reevaluate your life choices. <laughs> anyway, for the culture, y'all ready? Go ahead, girl. Go ahead. For the culture. For the culture. For the culture. For the culture. We're gonna get into some time best. Go ahead and swing that bob dot Ebony. <laughs> yes. Like, if it's... Ain't it given? It's given. See, you I know. wish I had it just so I could do that right there. Like you this. know, that, that's the... <laughs> direction what you said you know, we got to be looking all around the room <laughs> this is how you know it's summer when we start doing this action right here it's time <laughs> she's not gonna let this go <laughs> listen because i even got my hair done yesterday so like neck up it's cute i don't <laughs> she was she ready I'm gonna just be in the re- for the rest of the the podcast like this. <laughs> <laughs> Your lashes look cute, friend. Thanks. I didn't even put on extensions Girl. today. They got the lippy going. See, you giving us the vibe. <laughs> long as you don't have to see anything below here. Um, <clears throat> for the culture, we don't have much, as you can tell. This is why we're joking. Um, but we did want to take that moment of silence for Tina Turner. And her death has promoted, um, or not her death, um, a friend of mine, shout out to Jaleel. I think that's how you pronounce her name, Jaylee. Um, she's a sex therapist out of the Baltimore area. Um, she actually posted something and just made me think. But she was saying, like, we don't need to be bringing up her abuser in any way, shape, or form as we honor her, which I think is beautiful because I think a lot of times, um, <clears throat> and I actually heard about this, like there was a quote and I'm figuring out the quote and I'm gonna come back and tell y'all the quote because um, I heard it in a training that I was just in, but like we make fun we as Black people, we make fun of our trauma and we call it culture. That was it. We make fun of our trauma and we call it culture. And I just don't know how really helpful that is to advance our culture or advance us mentally since we talk about mental health. But um, yes, yeah, so y'all don't need to bring up her abuser or her abuse at any point when y'all are talking in reference of her for the next couple of weeks. So let's, let's not make this a joke, Black Twitter. Mm. Um, you know about that because you know how black Twitter is ruthless. Okay, five minutes. 
they gave it five minutes. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've seen plenty of things already. I'm not like, she ain't even, they ain't even had the funeral yet, y'all. Let, let the lady rest. Moving on. Um, so, we are still in Mental Health Awareness Month. Um, we have defined mental health and talked about a few of the common disorders, and we gave y'all hella facts that first week, facts and statistics. The second week, um, we talked about toxic positivity and how it can affect those having mental health struggles. Y'all just be a good friend, stop all the nonsense. Then we talked about a few mental health concerns concerning postpartum moms. And then finally, this last week, we discussed stigma surrounding mental health. Many of us are quick to suggest someone needs therapy, but what about if they can't find a therapist? Then what? And are we missing something? Like, did Kiki and I miss something? Like, between last year and this year, like, what did we miss? We don't know. So we brought back our good sis from H-Town. Brought back Dr. Ebony. Um, welcome back, Dr. Ebony Blue. Yes, thank you. Um, I'm sorry, what did you say? I said, thank you, thank you. <laughs> Um, so now Kiki, go girl. I actually didn't have a song this week. Shut up. You want me to make one up? Yes. Okay. I did this one before, so I don't know if it's, um, we'll just do it again. As long as I want to sing, you're doing good. I don't know. I was trying to think of it while you were speaking since I didn't have prepare for this song this week. <clears throat> Did you think I was going to prepare a song? <laughs> <laughs> no, I did not think okay. you were going to prepare a song. <laughs> okay. like, I'm doing this outline. That's it. <laughs> I like it. She's going to stick to the script. <laughs> so the song in my head is Pick Up Your Feelings by Jasmine Sullivan. <clears throat> and since we're going to get into access, I might do one line. That's it. This is too, like, you know. Look at look at her face. This is what I got to deal with every week. She's looking at me like I am crazy. Um, <laughs> oh, I wasn't supposed to say that. Touche. Anyway. Um... This is for all of the entities that try to hold us back from having proper access to health care. Mm -hmm. You need to stop trying to keep us from getting proper health care. I need a therapist. <laughs> you need to stop trying to keep us from proper health care. I need a good therapist. That's a little remix on your head. <laughs> Yeah, that's what we do every week. We remix a song. So I didn't have a new song, so I picked the old song that we used and just made up some lyrics. Remixed it. I like that, friend. Good job, friend. Good job. Thank you. Good job. Maybe I should write jingles. <laughs> All right. So we're going to get into a little recap of what we talked about this month. So in our first episode of the month, we discussed a few common mental health disorders. So anxiety, mood disorders, psychotic disorders, eating disorders, impulse control, addiction, personality, OCD, PTSD, all of those. 
So, Dr. Ebony, what would you say is the most common disorder? Anxiety and depression. Not surprised at hearing that. What about um, those most common diagnosed against or amongst women? So, minority women typically are underdiagnosed. So, we're not diagnosing them with depression, but they're exhibiting the symptoms or they're not correctly diagnosed with ADHD or even being on the spectrum. It's just, it feels like this whole industry for all of us is making progress and growth, but these concepts are innovative when it comes to cultural responsiveness. Uh, So I would say that at least from my experience and some of the data, it would be depression be the most prevalent thank gotcha. you mind these are self-report so we're only getting so much from people who actually know what's going on with their mental health that makes sense especially when you said those on the spectrum um even adhd because a lot of women are being diagnosed in their adult um years and not when they're kids and we're seeing a lot of that now so I know Key raised her hand. <laughs> but what about um what or whom do you treat the most? Uh initially I worked with just a general broad population and was a LGBTQA plus advocate, still am, definitely sex positive um when it comes to therapy. But I specialize in treating um BIPOC women. So that's my concentration. That's my area. That's my passion and focus now. Always has been, of course, home team, but it's I'm niche down and I focus on that particular group. Right. Okay. And you already answered our next question. The most underdiagnosed disorder for Black women. So Depression. We are out here not seeking treatment or intervention. Um, There's a typically a four year delay. So for men, they'll see symptoms and they'll go seek treatment. Surprisingly, um, it'll take black women at least four years before they're even willing to acknowledge that something's wrong. That's that's really surprising. (laughs) That men will go before us. But. Here we are. So in I can't our- get myself off mute. Sorry. <clears throat> I got something to say. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I can totally believe that bit about women taking four years because truthfully, so last year, my doc, my therapist diagnosed me with both ADHD and depressive disorders. Um, and uh, it was interesting because I can think back to how long like thinking back on how long I was actually probably exhibiting some of those traits um I think ADHD was like hyper sped up I'll say um with COVID and so now coming out of COVID being around people not being able to focus being at being at home was probably the thing that did it the worst because I'm like why can't I concentrate so that was that for me but as far as depression I literally just brushed it off for a couple years and was like oh I have seasonal affective disorder you know self-diagnosed and whatnot um but the last two years yes my depression tends to come in the winter um 
but it's progressively gotten worse. And this last year, like I actually had to make a phone call because I was just down bad. Um, but yeah, I think about it took me a while to get there. Um, had I not had this good health insurance, so it might even taken me longer. And I think men probably go because the women in their lives be like, if you don't, that's why it's over. Well, that's why I was surprised because I'm like, we're probably usually the ones making the appointments for them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so why aren't we making our own appointments? But well, the the topic today is the biggest part. I think the stigma associated with it. If you go to therapy, it's it's becoming more talked about, but it's still an adverse reaction. What's wrong with you? Are you crazy? Um, what happened to you? Because it has to be something bad or traumatic that's gone on it can't be chemical it can't be circumstantial it just has to be something organically that's a problem and you're it so women will steer clear of that so it doesn't influence just their stance in the community their space in their family all kind of things Uh, even their perception at work that they can't do their jobs effectively our mental health and our functionality is tied into so much that's linked to our self-esteem we'll just avoid it all together and figure it out that's major very so in our second episode we chatted about toxic positivity so what would you say is an overly used phrase about mental health that you wish would just stop Ah, uh calling everyone a narcissist uh, if someone has really interacted with the narcissist, it's probably one of the scariest life-altering experiences they've ever had. They're very clear uh, patterns and behaviors and things that go on with the interaction with someone who has narcissistic personality disorder. But we throw it out all the time, especially women who are dating. They're quick to call a man a narcissist, and he very well may be. But just that term, um, especially if someone is dealing with narcissism, the person themselves or their counterpart, it's a very, very fragile, vulnerable subject. So if we could stop throwing it out there casually, it'd probably make a lot of a difference in people's lives. Okay, listen, there are a few politicians. I'm not going to say no names, but I will say one rhymes with rump, right? Like... (laughs) That has to be narcissistic person disorder. Plead the fifth. <laughs> I have not assessed anything, but you know. We'll just say for the sake of what you were saying, the narcissism or narcissist, a lot of people have narcissistic traits. Doesn't yeah. mean that they're complete narcissist. I had to say that slow because I will I will mess that word up. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, bravo, sis. Bravo. I would have just... Bravo. Okay, and what about for Satan? For Santis? What about... Okay, one more one. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Is that supposed to be the word that rhymes with who's... (laughs) All right, so do you have any other words to say um, about toxic positivity when it comes to mental health just advocate for everyone that all of our emotions serve a purpose Uh, we have a whole spectrum of emotion there are more than just four so 
even those heavier emotions that we may need support to deal with, they do serve us and they're important and they are valuable. So um, people are allowed to not be okay. They are allowed to feel their feels and every step of that, either individually or working with a therapist, is something that we can all be a community over more so than like trying to project that these things will just solve themselves. Sometimes we need intervention. Sometimes we need talk therapy. We have all different types of resources, but just being upbeat and positive is way different than like being mindful or even like law of attraction. We can understand that there are other things that are going on and just figure out what resonates with us or what we're in alignment with, but it's perfectly okay to feel whatever we feel because we are humans. We're supposed to have our feelings. Yes. I like that. Um, our next episode was about moms. So we discussed the ambivalence that moms have. You know, you can have two feelings at one time. Like, I love this kid, but F them kids. You know, stuff like that. <laughs> but um, we also talked about mom guilt and then moms being touched out. So, you know, like you have to be available for your kids and your kids are touching you all day. Mom, 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 you know. And then when it gets to maybe your partner or somebody else, you just be like, can you back up? <laughs> you know, so all of these involve moms communicating more. But how but do you have any suggestions for mothers to be? So, like, I just can't imagine that you would think of all these things beforehand. The huh? Oh, sorry. Beforehand or in the midst of. Yeah. When you say be like suggestions for them, like coping strategies. Yeah. What tips do you have for those for mothers to be? Yeah, all the tips. All the tips we found for like coping with mom guilt, coping with ambivalence, coping with being touched out. Everything was communicate more, communicate your needs, right? But you know how mothers to be, they'd be so excited and they read the books and they're just like, they got the stuff washed and all the diapers and size one through four, right? Like they're all together. But like, what can we actually tell moms that like, listen, listen, when it comes to being touched out, like what are some things that they should probably kind of get used to when it comes to ambivalence, mom guilt, whatever, um, or even postpartum depression, what kind of things can they prepare for beforehand or just be conscious of beforehand? Uh, I think it's important for moms to know their love language. That when we talk about communicating, what are you communicating and how? Um, I'm not a, a, a touched out kind of mom because physical touch, especially when it's from my littles, like I want all the cuddles and hugs, even you know, breastfeeding, it was like, oh, don't touch me because it was so much work and I was exhausted. So, you know, managing your sleep schedule is definitely going to be a big thing. Um, if you do have a mood disorder diagnosed or maybe undiagnosed, just being aware that exhaustion isn't always exhaustion. Sometimes it's a sign or a symptom. Um, postpartum depression is very, very common, especially in women of color. And so if we don't talk about it, all postpartum moms or postpartum moms dealing with depression can there are some that hold their kids like they're very loving it's not just a cookie cutter type of symptomology that goes on when people have postpartum um just being able to have the dialogue and have a community so it is communicate but communicate about what and how and to whom so everybody doesn't necessarily want to hear about that so making sure you're surrounded by other moms or, or empaths, people who are really, really empathetic 
um, speaking up when you're not feeling your best and knowing your love language, I think would be really helpful in fostering better communication. But it, for me as a mom, I think that the best thing that we can do is to pour from a full cup. It is not easy, but if we are not our best, our best selves, we can't show up and be the best for our families. If we're not getting enough sleep, if we don't eat, if we don't have a social life, if we don't create balance and make time for our self-care, our family will suffer and our mental health will suffer. <clears throat> so warning and some strategy. <laughs> All right. So is there anything else that you as a therapist, would like for us friends, partners, or lovers to know any advice for us? Everybody go to therapy once a year, at least once to two times a year. So friends, family, loved ones, we have OBGYNs to check our coochies. Why don't we have a therapist to check our brains? I'm just saying. It's, I mean... We go to the dentist for cleaning, who is working on your emotional cleansing. And it's then we're gonna get into different types of therapy and different modalities and things like that. So that would be my biggest thing. If you if someone hasn't tried therapy to try it, um, to make it a regular part of their healthcare routine if possible, uh, and to advocate that everyone, including the littles, everyone in the family experience some sort of therapeutic intervention that can make their lives better. And if they don't enjoy it or don't need it, that's fine. But at least have the experience and go through the process of it so you know what to do when it is necessary. Well, thank you. Finally, last week we discussed stigma. So you often speak on stigma when it comes to black women, and we are just going to let you have the mic with that one. Is the mic with that one? <laughs> yes, sis. Here's the mic. There you go. I know, right? I have <laughs> right here. Um, you know, it's a lot to unpack. Uh, it's something that I've been more vocal about recently, especially advocating um, the population that I serve. The biggest thing that I feel like is so fundamental right now with the stigma with mental health care is that the black women are the problem instead of the problem being the problem and how we can peel that apart and compartmentalize what's going on and just really start to, you know, digest what interventions are effective like yoga and mindfulness and healthy eating like if we could just advocate more holistic healing instead of taking on all of this trauma and being highly functional very degreed extremely certified hypervigilant very independent all these things we get you know acknowledged for praises for they're not always beneficial to us as individuals so Stigma-wise, I think destigmatizing the fact that we don't have to be strong anymore. I love this soft life culture we're promoting, um, that we don't have to be busy. I love that hustle culture is dying. So just the stigma associated with going all the time, doing all the time, being everything for everybody, always having the answer, being the rock, being the family martyr, those days are gone um, because of the advocacy that's happening in our community. So 
just having the conversation once again, um, being more open. I think also in, in the experiences that I've been having, people are surprised to know that like therapists go to therapy or like we have therapists and it's a regular practice and like we think it's cool. It's our job, right? I know doctors sometimes make the worst patients, but for us, it's required to get our degree. It's required, you know, at some point in time for us to come in contact with some sort of therapy intervention, but it's definitely needed because there are days where we need someone to hold space for us and we're very much so human. So that's been the biggest thing is like spreading the awareness that we all benefit from mental health care, including the therapist. Therapy is what we do. It's not who we are. We're human just like our counterparts and we need help and love and support and we give it out too. I'm glad you said that because I just imagine that having to like, you know, take in everything that y'all hear every day, like y'all gonna need somebody else to like talk about your own stuff with (laughs) because you can't put that on your client. You gotta have somebody else that's partial to you to be able to handle what you gonna say. Yeah, sometimes right. we go through trauma and triggers too. It's not intentional. It's it's not to deter our clients. You know, we cry. We can cry with them, and we have experiences. But going through secondary trauma is very, very real, especially if someone's been in practice for a long time. That's why counselors have such a high turnover rate. So it's important for us to seek treatment and support as well. I had a guy tell me one time he was trying to date me, y'all. And he told me one time I asked him, I was like, so do you go to therapy? And he was like, and I was like, why not? And he was like, because man, the average therapist, they crazy themselves. They got their own issues. Why would I go tell my issues to somebody that got their own issues? I was like, ooh, um, So that means they think that they think that us yoga teachers are always peaceful. <laughs> well, you we saw the lack of peace that day because... <laughs> After that, we didn't talk no more. Like, you dumb. Um, <laughs> you would be crazy too, but still, uh, what they have to do with being able to walk you through the process. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, somebody walked him somewhere because he ain't walking over there. He's not bothering you. That's all that matters at this point. That's it. So let's talk about stigma when it comes to kids, because you're a mom. And I think about things about how kids were scared to say that they had COVID. You know, what are some stigmas that we have to watch out for with our kids? Oh, well, with with kids, I think first we can address parents and that whole dynamic when it comes to putting your child into therapy, um, depending on what type of resources or support they need. You know, it may be play therapy or it could be talk therapy, but it's very disconcerting, I think, especially in the Black community. We don't tell our business, especially to a perfect stranger. And so this is our child. So we have to trust this adult to sit in a room by themselves, possibly with us, depending on the structure, but in this space, a very intimate, vulnerable space, and talk to our child about things. What are they going to say about us? (laughs) So just to let parents know that the therapeutic process, even for children, is all about their healing and their health. 
Um, a therapist isn't going to set you up. They're not going to tell you that you're a terrible parent. Um, they're not going to criticize your parenting. They really just want to know how to help reach the goals that you have for your family, especially for your child, and how to help that person that's bringing their child to therapy be the best parent that they can be to their child and address problems if they do arise or have been going on. Um, for kids, I think it's very scary to talk to someone that they don't know as well. So having a parent supportive and advocate that this is normal, like how we can get a kid, like mine aren't scared of the dentist. They get excited because they know when we go to the dentist, as long as we don't have any cavities, we get a special prize or a treat. And I tell them, like, we like the dentist. We want to take care of our teeth. This is good. We love the doctor. Like, these are things I know generationally are crazy when people see me. I'm like, yeah, we're going to the doctor, y'all. <laughs> Go get a good checkup today. Like, it's a, a thing. We want a good report. So that same idea when it comes to therapy, that it's not this very heavy thing, even though we may take kids when they go through trauma, um, that this is a very soothing, supportive resource. Think enhancement to your life versus actualizing one of your biggest fears that someone's going to tell you that you're a bad parent if that's going on or that you've done a bad job. Therapy's not like that, uh, especially for the littles. It's more so a resource and support. Thank you, thank you, thank you for that. Um, the last thing we're going to ask about or let you talk about for this section is racism and um, stigma. So, or discrimination. You said what? Or discrimination and stigma. Yeah, last week we talked about um, Jordan Neely and how, you know, the perception was that you know, he was kind of crazy, but the guy that was, that actually allegedly killed him, because I don't want them coming for me. I don't want the law coming for me. Um, <laughs> but he was also, he was looked at as having PTSD and like his was accepted, but Jordan possibly may have had a mental health uh, disorder, but was looked at as crazy just because he was homeless and you know, people just perceived him differently and because he was black. Like, we just threw that in there, too. Um, but also, I thought about, and I sent this to Key earlier this week, about this TikTok that this lady did about racism and psychiatry and how she, this black lady took her child to the psychiatrist and was, like, saying the same symptoms as a white, a white mother. And the white mother's, the doctor's response to the white mother was, let's get him into therapy, you know, the response that they gave to the black mother was like, basically he was dangerous and all this stuff. It was just, you know, a stupid response, but this happens all the time. And, you know, people in the comments were like, this is not surprising. Like we see this every day. We get this, we get this treatment every day. So I just want you to kind of speak to the racism that comes with the stigma, discrimination, prejudice, all of that. It's it's crazy. I won't go off on a crazy tangent, uh, but it's it's a conversation just as a black clinician we literally have on a regular basis. Um, we were talking about the ADHD diagnosis as it relates to little boys, little black boys, and that oftentimes they're diagnosed with like oppositional defiant disorder or, you know, these very violent or aggressive 
things that, you know, they're going to do harm and we need to lock them away or they're a danger to society. Um, very systemic things that are in place to, uh, once again, marginalize our men and, and of course our women as well. Uh, I think about racism uh, as far as mental health from the clinical side. I actually posted in my story about it today from someone else advocating for the community. We, um, as mental health care providers and healers, especially being women of color, are in a colonizer space. And I'm, I'm pretty sure you guys as instructors, especially yogis, already know what people think. Um, when we did our mental health workshop for my chapter, they asked the ladies, what's the first thing that comes to mind when you think of yoga? And they all said skinny white girls. And it's like, that's, that's what they picture. So when they see us and they actually go through like a sun salutation for the first time, they're like, oh my God, this is it. So those moments on this side for me, just realizing like there wasn't a lot of conversation about Black mental health care, even though I went to HBCU, we're learning about theories from white, you know, men and in the structure and, and the approaches and things like that. Being culturally responsive was something we navigated more so on our own. And then actually being in the system, being licensed by the state, realizing that there are not a lot of us out here. So if there is an issue finding a black therapist, it's because we're going through red tape racism and discrimination to get our license the same way, you know, our community is going through racism and being stigmatized, trying to find us. So we're, it's a two sides of this coin and we're all working to get to some sort of happy healing medium, but we have to speak up and advocate for ourselves. We need someone um, in all different spaces. Like we are seeing more and more to speak up for healers and what we can do and what type of resources and support we need in order to keep getting more of us out there. Um, I myself am an LPC supervisor. So the goal is, because uh, I'm not accepting new clients, I see coaching clients uh, on a annual basis, but the goal is to create more clinicians. So interns, get them in the office, get them in the field, getting them accessible so that people who need low cost or no cost resources have access to people who need their hours so they can be licensed and need the experience and to be involved in the healing process of the community. So there's so much more to unpack there. I'm pretty sure, you know, with you guys talking about it before you dug into all of the different constraints that are keeping us out, but we always find a way. We're going to continue to make change and impact our community's mental health one person at a time until we see a, a communal healing. Okay, <clears throat> so I'm going to go into the next kind of two-ish sections, um, just combining them together. When I'm talking to people about, you know, going to therapy and um, I mean, it's just so hand in hand for me at this point, especially now that I'm in therapy and especially now that like I am a wellness practitioner, like I recognize my lane is to kind of make your body feel good. But, and this is another thing, like I don't kind of get into the colonization and like, oh, yoga's going to heal you with everything. Like, I don't do that because, because I don't do that. I truly feel like if you got something going on, up here, I'm 
not, you know, equipped to kind of help you. I can help you maybe sort out your thoughts a little bit, but how to reframe them and whatever, like that is not my bag. That is not my lane. Please go to somebody a little more skilled than me. And so therapy just comes out of my mouth so often. But, you know, one of the pushbacks I get all the time are people just like, I just don't want nobody judging me. I just don't want nobody telling me what to do. Da, 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 right? So <clears throat> when I started seeking therapy, I had a therapist. I told you about her last year and you were like, sis, you need a new therapist. Because I was like, yeah, because I just felt like I was in there talking to my girlfriend. Like it just didn't feel like helpful to me. Mm-hmm. Um and then my experience was talking to you, learning about your therapy style. I was like, hmm. And I looked it up and I was like, this is exactly what I need. So I also chose a cognitive behavioral therapist. And I've said this before in conversation and people be like, mm-hmm. they don't know what it is. So I want people to understand there are different types of therapy and there are different types of therapists. But first, let's start at the beginning, because the one that throws me off all the time is the difference between psychiatrist, psychologist, psychotherapist. Mm-hmm. So what is a psychiatrist? The psychiatrist is going to be a medical professional that's licensed, that's going to help you with the neurochemistry. We all have to be aware of it, uh, especially for us. They're not a neurologist because a neurologist can help with your mental health, too. You just don't talk about it as much. Um, But uh, someone that can prescribe medication, they can assess for a mental health disorder or mental illness. They can provide medical documentation. They can help you through the disability process. They're like a primary care provider, but they focus solely on your mental health. So that's their arena with the psychologist uh, and the psychotherapist, that's going to be educational background and then treatment modality, like the way that they treat their approaches, uh, what type of interventions they utilize with clients and things like that. So for us, there's a, <laughs> on the back end, there's dissension amongst us because we do not have a unified front as because it's therapists. And then there's counselors and then there's psychotherapists. And it's like, what are y'all? And it's it's our eclectic background. Uh, But we are in the same evolution that we're seeing in the community. It's happening on the mental health side as well, where we're working to have a more unified front. Texas is pretty hardcore as far as our licensure requirements. When we talk about Florida, like they have the least hours that are required before you can get your license, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. You can get out there and start helping people. Um, but Texas is very, very rigorous with us where we have a 18 month requirement on top of 3000 hours of supervised, uh, treatment that we go through with our clients, working with our clients and stuff and signing off on documents with our supervisor before we get licensed. So just the rigor of it, um, so that's that's where we see the differences in just the background, the education, and, and the treatment modalities. But for you in general, out of what you list, the psychiatrist is going to be the most different than us. They are not going to sit down and talk with you at length. They are not going to have a treatment plan for you that will be as in-depth if you sat down with a psychologist or a counselor or therapist. They're more so there, like I said, like a PCP. They're going to get it and problem solve. 
and they're usually going to follow like a Newton type of model where medicine is going to be the treatment. They'll recommend that you go to therapy for follow-up, but it's not required in order for them to prescribe what they give you. But then side effects will require you to need a therapist because they're going to be with you and more hands-on when your body's adjusting if you do decide to take a medication. And that's ADHD, antidepressant, anti-anxiety, or anything that helps with the mood disorder. Okay. Is there a major difference between a, so we got psychiatrists. Is there a major difference between like a counselor and a therapist? Is that what you said? Yeah. No, there's not a major difference. It's it's preference and then background. What, what institution you went to, how you were trained, what type of license you have, the curriculum you go by. Um, that's more so sy- systemic and it's going to be like factual where your treatment will vary. There's a there can be differences between a therapist and a social worker, and I think you guys kind of touched on that already in a previous episode. Um, so that's depending on what state and what's required for licensure. Uh, some therapists, you know, they cover this, this the gamut, and then with social workers, they may be referring resources and not actually be qualified or licensed to do individual therapy. So. That would just require doing like a due diligence to see if they could actually do individual or talk therapy or treatment with you. I just want to point out, y'all, that she actually listens to our podcast so she can make reference to past. <laughs> she been making preferences to past episodes. That just made my heart like just. It's take care, sis. I'm a sis too. I want to take care. I love it. <laughs> Okay, I'm that's not, mad. Here. not mad. I'm here for mental health awareness, but y'all had a masturbation episode and sex is good. I was like, oh, y'all want me to come for the scientific stuff, not the fun stuff? Okay. But <laughs> <laughs> well, we can redo it because we didn't we didn't go yeah. into depth. Yeah, we didn't go into depth yet. We but we learned at our day of rest that you're supposed to get 250 orgasms per year to maintain good vaginal health. Mm-hmm. So we did I ask that it, question. It helps the mood too. Mm-hmm. It helps the mood. All of these these things are connected, right? While we talk about it, if uh, women suffer with their libido, that's sometimes a sign that there may be that they may be dealing with depression. So keep that in mind. You see a dip, and you're usually feeling frisky, and then all of a sudden it's like, boop, no interest in sex or sexual activity, but a very sexual or sensual person. It's the time to tap in. You may not want to tell your girlfriend, call your therapist, say, hey, girl, something's not right. What's happening? And it's funny you say that because I was having this conversation um, with some guys, and <clears throat> that's actually another um, symptom in men as well. Like their libido drops when they are depressed. But women, we'd be like, oh, he's cheating. Because typically we have sex five times a day, 5 a.m., 10 a.m. You know, and we just go down the list because, yes, we, and it's not even just men. We are all creatures of habit. And when that habit changes a little bit, you'd be like. Yeah, I was about to say, men going to do, they're going to say the same thing too. They might say it, they might not say it the way we said it, but they're going to let you know, like, what, what you doing? What's wrong with you? <laughs> What's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah. But we got people breaking up in relationships because the sex change and y'all think they cheating, but 
they just walking around depressed. Mm-hmm. You're dealing with a, a chemical imbalance and don't even know it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nope. Then there's types of therapy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you have your marriage and family therapy done by a, um, what do you call it? A family therapist. So explain a little bit what that is and when's a good time to go for marriage and family counseling? Anytime. Um, so there, we have all these alphabets, right? So you can go see a therapist or a licensed marriage and family therapist. So LMFT or LPC or licensed clinical social worker. But um, the best time to go is if there's family trauma, um, and that could be good or bad, a new baby or an abrupt loss. Um, if there's some sort of family miscommunication, so maybe there's a, you know, a troublesome sibling and how is that impacting the whole family or parents are getting a divorce. It, it could be a number of things. Anytime there is a need for support in a family dynamic, family therapy is beneficial. Um, marriage counseling is always supportive, uh, either when there's discord, infidelity, finances, uh, sexual issues or dysfunction is a great time to go. Um, if you feel like your relationship is stagnant, if you feel like there are issues where you're not connecting with your spouse, it's a great time to go. I think it's great when people go to premarital counseling so they have the experience before marriage and some tools and coping strategies to help them maintain in their marriage and then come back and check in for you know, the same thing I said earlier for individuals, it's nothing wrong with getting a checkup and just saying like, hey, how is our emotional health or what can we do to enhance our relationship? Because therapy can do that as well. That's cute. Um, <clears throat> this one I found fascinating, but this one's much like, you know, our psychodynamic therapy. Um what was fascinating about it to you? Because I know you over here trying to uh, go back to grad school on me. It's going to be key. She's going to be like, I'm a therapist. I'm a therapist too. Um, so uh, working with a therapist to explore the connection between your unconscious mind and then your actions. So involve examining your emotions, relationships, and thought patterns. Um, a longer approach, but uses forms of CBT. But they'll do like psychoanalysis as a form of treatment. Mm-hmm. I was like, Ooh. Um, I'm always fascinated by psychoanalysis. And I'm like wondering, like, I don't know, because like tapping into somebody's like unconscious thoughts, that is so fascinating and scary to me because it's just like, don't be, look- don't be looking at my thoughts. Um, That's I don't know. Action is in your subconscious. You can heal so much. A lot of times. So, uh, just like conversationally, we see a lot of things where people are like, heal the inner child, do fun things. That's the inner child, this, this, and that. They're along the lines of that psychodynamic treatment and healing process. Those subconscious things from ages zero to seven, we're like an open book. We're just sponges and we absorb everything. Whether it's said directly to us, a TV commercial, a facial expression of a family member in reaction to something else, we take it all in and it helps us to shape our identity. Um, and not only how we show up in the world, but how we perceive the world that we show up in. 
And so as we age and we start to develop into ourselves and mature and sometimes with injury or um, emotional deficiencies, we can look for external validation and those subconscious processes are going to surface. So uh, psychodynamic therapy is really, really beneficial if you have like behavioral patterns or problems or longstanding concerns that haven't typically been resolved with the normal treatment. And when I say normal, I mean like six weeks of therapy, we're not seeing any progress. 12 weeks in, we're still struggling. It's like, okay, now we need to, we do got to see in there because something's not giving in to the healing journey. And typically the person that came to therapy wants results. So on this, on the treatment side, if we're not noticing it happen, we want to get to the root of it. And usually when we start to dissect that part of your subconscious, we're going to find the root cause. It does take time, especially when you have to be uh, vulnerable. I have a question. Since we're talking about psychotherapy or psychoanalysis, mm-hmm. and when we talk about the subconscious, I always think about like how things show up in my dreams. I have very vivid dreams. Um, do y'all um, do you take that into consideration when you're doing that kind of therapy, or is that like something else? Because I know some people they just don't believe that their dreams are saying anything to them, but I. So- I think that's a beautiful question that you say that. I feel like that's where cultural confidence comes in. Um, So it's not clinical, right? Like we have an actual statistical manual that we use that we diagnose from. It's a medical book. It's our manual. But culturally, I don't know very many people that weren't raised in a black family that know grandmothers dream about fishes when a baby's coming and, you know, just different Things that we have traditions and narratives that are ingrained in us. So, you know, when my clients bring up their dreams, I do talk to them about it. We'll go look things up together like, oh, girl, if you died in a dream, you know, that's new life. Or, okay, well, what if it means this? And we'll talk about how um, what could seem like very anecdotal or cultural information. How does that really tie into the treatment plan or how does that tie into our treatment goal? Do you feel like that's relevant to the things that we're doing in therapy? And if it has merit or value for you, as long as it's not feeding into some sort of psychosis, I think we have freedom to talk about it. Like we can talk about anything else. So I do believe there's value in that, especially when people have vivid dreams. And I know they may be like clairvoyant or, um, you know, just have a gift of foresight. If it comes in a dream, baby, tell me, please and let me know if you see something that Look out, you know what I mean? It's valuable. So I think, you know, certain therapists will validate it. Some may say it's not scientific. Yeah, I wouldn't need that therapist. Right, it's all I just know, like, yeah, personally, like my grandma, and I talked about her and she passed last year, but her intuition was very on point. So she could tell you something about somebody and you'll figure out later why. Like, it's not going to be completely like detailed but she's gonna be like something is not right (laughs) and I yeah and I inherited that high intuition from her and so it shows up in my dreams like I don't personally say that from just meeting somebody but you know I have those things that affect the spiritual gift I, I definitely um believe in spiritual gifts so 
it, it, like I said, it may not play a role in the clinical side of it because it's very black and white and um, structured. These are things that are metaphysical. They don't have, you know, a scientific proof, but they definitely have a physical manifestation. And that is proof enough to me. If I could see it, touch it, talk to it, it's real. So I give it as much value as that manual that says it's not. We're going to bring you back to talk about <clears throat> therapy and Jesus. Um, that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, I actually have a counterpart when we did our mental health workshop. We brought up a little bit about being church hurt and seeing the church through um, the trauma or, you know, the parent versus the church for what it could be or what it can be, depending on somebody's religious perspective. So. Those are really good conversations. We need those conversations that, that's you continuing to break the stigma as well. Yeah. All right, Dr. Ebony. So again, we are real quick. And as a society, we have now been like, or as American culture, we are real quick to go to therapy, get a therapist. You need a therapist, right? But the truth is like therapy just isn't accessible to all of us, whether it be because we don't have finances or what I find living in the South, um, or what's con- and where where I used to live was considered rural, but that's a problem with the amount of clinicians there are, especially clinicians of color. So I ran across this blog called Better Up, and it's written by two therapists themselves, and they gave some statistics. One statistic I found interesting was that. of the workforce experiences mental disorders or chronic illness. And I thought maybe that was low, but then I thought about it. Um, A lot of people who have chronic illness and mental disorders aren't able to work because, you know, for various reasons. So 5%, hmm, interesting. Um, But in that same blog, they were talking about a global study of those who didn't access, didn't assess treatment. And it was 63.8% reported wanting to handle the problem on their own. That's what we do. We finna Google it. Um, 15.7% did not believe their condition could be effectively treated, which I find wild, but okay. And then fewer than 7.7% cited stigma in the reason for not seeking care. I'm curious, were these people of color? But anyway, um, going on to children, according to the CDC, nearly one in five children have a mental, emotional or behavior disorder, such as anxiety and depression, ADHD, autism spectrum, so on and so forth. Um, These children would benefit from early treatment, but sometimes aren't taken to be, I'm sorry, early diagnosis and treatment, but sometimes aren't able to get the diagnosis. Um, and unfortunately, 20% of children with mental, emotional, or behavioral disorders receive care from a specialized mental health care provider. So only 20% of our kids are even being seen. Some are saying, um, some cite that it's due to traveling long distances if they're in rural areas, high wait list, high costs, health insurance, blah, blah, blah. Um, and the same goes for adults and children. But what can we do when it comes to access? Um, what are what are some things that we can do either before therapy, alternatives to therapy, or something we can do in the wait? Like, what are some things we can do? Ooh, um, my knee-jerk reaction is read. <laughs> Honestly, uh, if we're if we're not going to go and seek 
those that have put in the time and invested the money uh, and had the self-efficacy to become trained professionals in that field, and we're going to do it ourselves. we got to know how to do it right. Um, so I would advocate like reading material that's in alignment with what the family or the individual is looking to resolve. So if you struggle with accountability, then really look into new age self-help books like You Are the Mountain or, you know, uh, The 4-Hour Work Week or Rich Dad, Poor Dad, whatever it is that can help shift the mindset uh, to start there with the healing process. I think that for, especially for Black families with access, if it's not in a clinical setting, then it could be in a holistic way. So looking at how we eat, the things that we eat, and how they impact our mental health and how they impact our physical health. Having the open dialogue and communication, like we said, for the moms, communication could definitely help bring about healing in the community. Um, and also partnering with civic organizations like Pan-Hellenic organizations, you know, specifically our sorority, Alpha Kappa Alpha, is putting mental health in the spotlight because they know how valuable it is and also how limited the resources are. So my particular chapter is in a rural area as well. So anytime they're like, Dr. Blue, can you? I say yes, because I know there aren't a lot of resources for that particular population, but they need to hear it. Um, having the dialogue and destigmatizing it is going to be our biggest way that we make on our end. But for those who need resources, it's going to be nonprofit organizations, civic organizations, online resources, webinars, telehealth. Um, and also, if, for instance, someone is a working professional, depending on what job they're at, each employer has so many sessions that they have built into the insurance, so to speak. So it's usually uh, the employee assistance program. They'll help you with legal services. They'll help you with um, banking things. And they'll also help you with mental health. They'll contract with a licensed healthcare provider so that you can get six to eight grief therapy sessions in to address one issue and just one issue. But with EAP benefits, you can come for each issue. So you go the first eight sessions for anxiety. You go the next eight for accountability. You go the next eight for trauma and grief. Like you can break down what you need by being honest and transparent with your therapist uh, or seeking mental health support. And then also some practitioners provide sliding scales. So they'll provide discounts for um, certain incomes or, you know, certain populations that are at risk. So it's closed mouths don't get fed. Reading is fundamental. Do it as a community and eat for your health. And those things can all culminate to help develop coping skills and try yoga. But that would be, that's my list if I could make it and I had to figure it out. And you think about generationally, mental health wasn't a thing. These are the things that I had to learn and do before I became a therapist to know what true wellness and healing felt like because it wasn't something that was talked about or um, personified in my family illness was. So to see the opposite spectrum of that, I had to seek the knowledge. So I think if you want to look for the light, you will definitely find it. We're out here looking for you. We want to help. I love that. 
I love that. Kiki. So we're moving on to self-care in real life. All right. So so what? You don't have a song. (laughs) No. Not off the rip, no. So how can we best address seeking therapy or taking care of our mental health for ourselves? Dr. Edmund. Make it it a non-negotiable. Stop thinking that your mental health is an option. Without your mental health, your body is useless. So prioritize from the top down from your crown to the bottom of your feet, and you will be well. Ignore any part of it, and you're definitely going to think it and feel it all at the same time. So be preventative in your treatment. Be preventative in your care. Uh, Know that it's necessary, and it will Provide longevity so that you can live in your full purpose and abundance. Because the goal is for you to be here and affect change and be the best you that the world has ever experienced just because you are enough. So being the awesomest person ever is more than enough motivation. But if someone's not in the right space, know that you're not alone and that you don't have to suffer alone and in silence. Your self-care is valuable. I love that. Affirmations and all. Um, (laughs) So we find that people will easily move mountains for their children. They'll do anything for their children. But how best should parents go about about it for their children? Like taking care of their mental health. How should they go about it? To make it a priority in their schedule um, like they would for their children. All the things that their children need. They need but just to know that their children, like, you know, zero to seven, they're sponges. And then after that, they're formulating not only their perception of the world, but how the world perceives them. So set an example, um, you know, I got two in the house with a therapist. So they like meditation and they, they love the yoga mat. Like they're on me. Like, can we meditate and do yoga before bed? So like that. You know, my youngest loves crystals and his dad is like, I want my son to love sports, which is great. But my baby loves some crystals, too. So it's about exposure and normalizing it in the household. If it's something that you would want your children to do, if they were in jeopardy or danger or they needed support, you would want them to speak up and to find help and loving support in order to get to that next phase of wellness. Give yourself that same type of consideration. Your family is nothing without you. So take care of yourself so that you can then stand Kofa and give back to your next generation and take care of them. Thank you for that. And then the next question is, when should we seek out for our parents or putting our pride aside? When should we seek out therapy? I'm guessing that's what you were trying to say. Trying to say, when should parents seek out therapy? Um, like putting your pride aside, like, listen, my baby needs some help, let me go. And you know what? That's really interesting. Um, what I and I just had this conversation recently with a parent about seeking therapy. If you are worried about your child having conversations with a foolish friend, and at the end of the day, you want them to have a voice of reason and a safe place with someone that you can trust. Therapy is one of the safest places 
once you vet and select the right therapist that fits your family dynamic, your therapist is going to become your ally and advocate with your child. They're going to help them through some, you know, maybe confusing times or things that might not make sense to them. And we have this secret sauce. Uh, You know, there are probably some clinical reasons why, but you can say something as a parent to your child a thousand times and they can come in here from the therapist, an unbiased, non-judgmental, safe space to just open up and a therapist can say it to you and it can click right there in that moment. And it doesn't matter who said it as long as they get the message and it saves their life is what's most important. So just remember the therapist is a part of the team. They're not against you in any way. So if there are some reservations, know that you can utilize their services like a tool. They're not there to ice you out or to hide anything from you. They actually have an open line of communication as long as the client is under the age of 18. There are certain things that you can ask and communicate about with the therapist to be aware of what's going on in session. So there are no secrets, but there is trust and privacy in that once again, is finding the right therapist and the right fit. But they're going to be a part of the process and a part of your family, so to speak, in your journey. They're an asset, um, not a detriment. So hopefully that'll help assuage some of the anxiety with taking kids to therapy. They're your help. (laughs) Let your kid go and dump in therapy get some supportive resources, um, get someone to advocate for them, have someone be able to translate for you because sometimes they can bring back information in a way that your child couldn't necessarily articulate. So use it like a tool to best get the results you need and all will be well. And are there any other last words that you have for us about mental health, therapy, stigma, all the things that what you got going on. You said what? And what, what you, you got? got? Oh, what I got going on. Okay, so for mental health, May is many months. Then we got a couple other things that have gone on this month. But mental health awareness is not just in May. It is yearly. It is January through December. Is three sixty five. Every day that you have breath in your body and awareness, you have mental health. And if it's fluctuating and you think you're experiencing mental illness, it is okay to seek treatment and help. Um, It does not have to be lifelong, but it is something that is definitely beneficial. And every single person from every walk of life can stand to benefit from sitting down at least once in their life with a therapist and having a safe, non-judgmental conversation about their emotional intelligence and wellness and how to communicate from that space, not just our physical bodies. Um, For me personally, of course, this is a busy month, just getting out there, doing exactly what I suggested for access, recruiting associates to become LPCs, doing community outreach and uh, workshops. On June 25th, I'm partnering, partnering with a local a barbershop and mental health advocate to host a real talk because June is men's mental health month. So work, work, don't stop. We go right, rolling right into it, talking about our brothers and how to support and uplift them because I um, niche down with my sisters. I'm focusing on parents. I'm focusing on boy 
families. And so we're going to talk about mental health and how it relates to the littles uh, and how we as mothers can definitely advocate for our son's mental health. That's my my uh, soapbox for the month of June. Also, just men in general, but I'm focusing on our littles. Um, and then in addition to that, on June 30th, I'll be hosting a webinar on releasing self-limiting beliefs and self-sabotage and how to walk fully in your purpose. So more details and times to come, but mark the date, June 30th and then June 25th, doing community outreach and definitely advocating that we are well 365. Yeah, please let us know about that webinar. Oh, yes, ma'am, we'll do. It's going to be so good. All right. Anything, any last things, Key, that you want to add, she want to ask? No. Dr. Hebney, as always, you come and bless us. Um, again, we're going to figure out how to get you a regular spot, um, <clears throat> like a once a once a month checkup with Ebony. Uh, yeah, you get to get questions. I'll pop up and answer questions. I'm here for it. I like, I like that a lot. Well, me and Key will talk about it. Me and Key will talk about it. But now I don't have nothing else for you. Okay. That's all we got for y'all. Y'all know what we're about to ask now. We repeat ourselves every week. Um <laughs> share the podcast. <laughs> this is why we can't get through anything. Share the podcast. Share it with your friends. Share it on your social medias. It costs you nothing to share. It is the loveliest, freest thing you can do. See a black girl doing her thing and share it to five people. Friend, bring a friend. Thank you. Each one, reach one. Just just one person. (laughs) You got to stand an ovation for that. (laughs) Thank you, Dr. Ebony. You you helped us out a lot. Thank you. And last... And last, if you are on YouTube, you know, the usual share, like, comment, subscribe. Don't forget that. And rating and ratings and reviews. We say this every week, y'all. Apple Podcasts, hit the five stars. You can say that you like listening to us. That's it. We we used to tell y'all to just to say, hey. <laughs> and that's it. And Spotify is easy, five stars. That's it. You don't have to put no paragraph. You don't have to say anything. Just five stars. It's right we under the title. More black creators. There aren't yes. enough of us to say what we need to say. Spread the word. Please, please, please. Thank you. Also, tell them where they can follow you, Dr. B. You can follow me on Instagram at the real underscore Ebony B. I'm also on TikTok as Dr. Ebony B. And I'm also on YouTube at The Glow Within. So I'm all over the socials. I'm out here. If you need me, info at theglowwithin.com. Giving love, giving free game. It's not one-on-one therapy, but healing should be free. So if you got questions, we got answers. We will figure it out together because we are a community. She did the snaps. (laughs) All right. That's it. We want to remind y'all to take care of yourselves this week. So Dr. Ebony, Nakia, take care of yourself. Both of y'all. And remember to take care of yourselves physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, financially, all the elise, all of those. 
Take care of yourself. All the Elise. <laughs> Shirt. All the elites. Hold the elites. That's a that's a good idea. Um, yeah, that's it. So we will talk to y'all next week. Thank you again, Dr. Ebony. And 